0: Good evening. I guess there's no complaints out there about the weather today. So long as we can drive in, right? uh, We're, um, we're, yeah, right? Glad to uh, have Brother John with us tonight. Uh, He's been uh, out visiting and Doing some cooking for his dad, so he said his, uh, his dad is, is turns 95 on the fourth, the sixth of April, and that's his goal to to reach that. So we could we could believe for that, right? Trish is coming. When does Trish come?
1: Uh, we from
0: tomorrow. Okay, good. Anyway, um, I came tonight with a standby passage in Romans 12 that we know where we're, we're entreated to present our bodies once again. And we've heard that so often that it, it, we can become indifferent. But I do believe um, the Spirit would entreat us tonight to, once again, we have a, a new opportunity here. Um, sometimes, it, you, you know, you, it's like a reset. Whatever your day, whatever your week's been, we have an opportunity to come and, and present and offer ourselves once again to the Lord. We're offering ourselves to something, right? So, Lord, we look to you for this night, and uh, thank you, Lord, for what's before us, for the, the praise and the word that we're about to receive, Lord. We ask for your anointing on it, Lord. Open our hearts, Lord, to receive what you have, and, Lord, that you would truly enable and empower us to surrender and offer once again ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Father, well, we look to you tonight just for your thoughts and your uh, touching our hearts with uh, your word. Um, and uh, we give you praise and glory for it. Amen. Well, good evening. Family. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I count it a privilege and an honor to come and help my dad. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I find it, Such a blessing that if uh, I'm not able to come, there's a family that's able to take care. I was uh, talking, my dad will be 95 uh, April the 6th, that's his goal. Um, His uh, sister's 97. She just got put in a nursing home and we talked to her yesterday, she's done a little bit of transition in the nursing home. And she's saying, uh, John, they put me on a table with some older There's 102, 101, and a 99, and she's 97. And of course, in my light moment, I said, so you're the youngster at the table. What did you say? But, you know, it's a real privilege. I want to uh, take a look at uh, uh, Mindset of Christ tonight. Um, And I want to gonna be in the book of Philippians most of it I, I, I love the book of Philippians uh, I think I mentioned some of this here years ago um, and what I've, con- what, I was, what I've been considering is that there's a there's a big change of mindset and and consciousness from the old covenant to the new covenant and we, we find ourselves in a calling uh, of not our choosing but then again, when we find it's our calling, it's our choosing. And uh, when, we look at, when we look at the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant, basically, and if you look at the Old Testament, basically what you see is a, the consciousness of self, the consciousness of man. Uh, God was not real pleased with the way that they dishonored him, and he said, you profane my name, therefore, find, find us in Ezekiel 36. Therefore, I'm going to send you a new covenant and I'm going to cleanse your heart. And uh, this new covenant, I'm not doing this for your sakes. I'm doing this for mine. And so what the new covenant is, it's not going to be a consciousness of self. It's going to be directing us to a consciousness of God. Right. Which is not something we come by naturally.
2: Right.
1: And guess, guess what we need to be touched by in order to have a consciousness of God? you know the, the holy spirit and uh and, and you find a man jesus christ who enters into this world with a completely different mindset completely different consciousness um i, I was looking at something before you get into philippians i was looking at, in john chapter 15 something i never saw before and, and you know when you, whenever you look at any of jesus's writings uh, whenever you know you read about him in the gospel He's always pointing to the Father.
2: Right.
1: You know, at times you read this, uh, you know, turn over to John 15. See if, you know, some of us are just, I mean, after all these years, we still are just getting some things. Um, you know, and I, I got to say that uh, I, I think a lot of our, our understanding is being challenged. It's almost like we need to have a renewing of the mind. Yeah. And this process of renewing in the mind is not a real easy thing because we all, even as ministry, we all may see things a little bit differently. And really, we are we are really as 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 uh, members of the body of Christ, members of, of him. And as we'll see, as part of the elect, we really have to be cemented in our own understanding. It's the only thing that's actually going to it's actually going to take you through. Um, and, and I, as many times as I read John chapter 15, I, I never saw this. And it goes to uh, it goes to the character of the Son. In 15:1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he purges. Uh, your claim through the word, uh, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except abide in the vine. No more can you accept that you abide in me. Now, I've always read that. And the emphasis there is that he's the vine and we're the branches. Can, uh, a branch cannot bear anything of, its, of itself. And the vine cannot bear fruit without the branches. So there's a bit of an independent relationship there because we need him, but he needs us. And and I've always, I don't know how many of you have ever stopped there. You know, we've heard teachings on I am the vine, you're the branches. But what I missed is Jesus's, Jesus's mindset is not as him as a vine giving life to us branches. His mindset is, My father is the husbandman, and if you look down at verse 8, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. I don't know why I never saw that. I think partly because our our mindset is so much still centered in on what we're doing. And his mindset was this, hey, this whole vine and branch thing only works if it's glorifying my father. I mean, look at the picture. they got, you know, my father has got a vineyard out there. And, and just as a, natural, as a natural husbandman has a vineyard, he's looking for fruit and when the fruit comes, the husbandman is glorified. And this is the mindset of Jesus Christ. The mindset is it's, my father's gonna get something out of this. Like, we're all working together. And you know, as we look at this, what I think has been a lot of discussion in the, from the pulpit in the last few years on, This working relationship on how much God is doing and how much we have to do and how this works together. The idea that God is going to, you know, God started this thing and he called us from the beginning. Uh, And, you know, I think some of us have maybe been a little bit um, overemphasizing the God that started it's going to finish it part. And, And others have overemphasized the part that we have to play on Fulfilling this, and this is why I like the book of, of Philippians, because Paul is going to is going to masterfully join the two together in a really good balance. In a really good balance. And now the one thing that it was pointed out to me by Steve Brown. Remember Steve? Yes. Years and years ago. He says, You know, John, the New Testament is written to the elect and he said only the elect are going to understand it so i started looking at it and when you go through the and, and this is really important really important because i think we recognize we recognize that anybody that just not anybody that reads this bible can turn to to scriptures like in Ephesians. You've been called from the beginning, a of foundation of the world, to be holy without blame before Him and love. You get some some person that doesn't have the Spirit of God may never get the Spirit of God uh, in this in this life. Reading that, you know, what is this all about? You know, the only one that makes sense to is the elect. The only one that makes sense to you. Just the, you know. And how many how many peop, secular people I knew, kids I know, guys I went to high school with, they read the Bible. I mean, there's lots of people who read it. It's a good book, and yet, it, when, when I started looking at it, I, I realized something that the the amount of and, and this is what when you were ministering on Sunday, it was minister, Bill, Brother Bill was ministering on Sunday, and was ministering, and and I know this comes out. You know, this comes out of the heart of God through through ministry are, Ministering to the heart of the elect. Ministering to the elect. You know, we, we, when you minister to the elect, it's, it's the Spirit of God that's ministering. And, and there's, there's a witness that gets joined together that, hey, that's applicable to me. Like, you know, the, do you remember the first time you actually recognized that the Spirit of God came into your life, moved in your life? I, I think I've told this story before, but some of these stories... Uh, when I was six years old. You know, you, 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 how many of you can look back at your life and you can see the moving of God in you when you were just a little child? And it's not till years later that you can identify, hey, that was God. That was God. Six years old. You know, uh, you know how much doctrine did I have at six years old? Well, the Russian Orthodox Church didn't give, give me any, and the Episcopal Church just brought it back into English, and they didn't give me anything. <laughs> you know, I, I went to the I went to the Russian Orthodox Church as a little little child. I found out that Jim and I were the first two that were baptized in that Russian Orthodox Church in Miami. So we were kind of founding members.
2: <laughs>
1: so we would go every Sunday to hear this thing. This, this, uh, in, 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 I thought it I was Latin. I asked my dad. He said, no, they were speaking in Russian. And uh, so I went to that church and I didn't understand a thing that was being said. Then I went to the Episcopal Church and they were speaking in English. And I didn't understand a thing they were saying. As <laughs> a matter of fact, you know, when you stop and think about uh, a lot of us that were in that, in that church system, that, 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 that church system, how many of them ever preached out uh, uh, you were called from the foundation of the world? I never heard that in the Episcopal Church. what I would hear in the Episcopal Church, and I and I, I remember as little kids, little little boys. We would go there, and, and I always hated the Sunday where they read that, that passage in Psalms where, and his mercy endures forever. And his mercy... Yeah, I don't know how many of you did that, and, and the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the father would get up, and he would, and he took him to the wilderness, and the mercy endures forever. And we just kept repeating everything that was said, and, and yet, not, you know, there was nothing ever about the calling of God on your life, the, the, the salvation that was being, you know... I see the gospels as being, the, as, as being a presentation of the gospels of the gospel to, to the world. But when you get into the epistles, you're talking about the elect. And this is very special because the reason you're sitting here today, continuing and walking with God is because you, you have identified with a calling on the elect. That's why you're sitting here today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether you know it or not. And, and Tom Rowe, for all of, you, all of you children, Tom Rowe ministered a word years ago. And, and, and I'm not attempting to get this doctrinally, doctrinally correct. But he said, you know, it's a question whether the parents are called. But because the children are born and the parents are sitting under this word, it's definitely that the children are called. Wow. You know, and, and I think what I think where his heart was is we've got a God that's ordering and working things. And he's bringing, you know, he brings us into contact with his word. And, and word, you know, there says my, 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 this, this aunt that I was talking about, she called me up one time and, and uh, she said, Johnny, I want to know something. And I, I, she has two sons um, uh, and they're, they're, they're great. They're great boys. And she said. And I don't know if they're walking with God, but Johnny, there's a scripture somewhere that says the children are sanctified by the parents. I said, yeah, and I, yeah, they're sanctified by the parents because God does that. God, and the, there's a calling on the children's lives, and it's, and it's, it's a, it's a thing where, it, even, even as I was as a little six-year, six years old, I was out in Miami outside, and uh, it was in the middle of the day, sunshine. My dad, my dad was a Flower grower. He had an, he had an orchid house. He used to grow orchids. The how our, our yard. We had uh, we had or- orange orange. Uh, we had lemon trees. We had cherries. We had pineapples. We had gardenias. We uh, had all of these orchids. We had an, an avocado tree over the top. We had a kumquat and a loquat tree next door. And and what they had done was they had taken our block that was a, an orchard uh, back in the, in the 60s, and they had carved out little places for houses, and they left all of the trees there. So we just had fruit coming out everywhere, and I'm sitting there. I, I went outside one day, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at a, an, a, a, a bird of paradise plant that my dad had, and all of a sudden, it got light, and I looked around, and I, and I heard, I don't know if it was, I, I think it was an audible voice, but I don't know if it was an audible voice, Go back to a word back at the convention Uh, and said, what what if I told you you're living in the end of the world? It touched my, and and does anybody remember what I said? I said, what about birthdays and what about Christmases? Because as a little six-year-old boy, don't tell me about the doctrine of the end of the world. I just want to know if I'm getting Christmas presents and if I'm getting birthday presents. <laughs> and I've told this before and I apologize to the whole move of God because when I first came in this move, Lubbock Convention back in 1972, I walked in there and Brother Sam ministered on word on what about birthdays and what about Christmas.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I thought, I said, you know, this is a heavenly father that I have and is so concerned about answering my questions. That when I got connected to the word of God that the elect were, he said, Here's the answer to that. You don't have to celebrate birthdays anymore. And and Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. And all I said, sorry folks, that you had to listen, sit sit through that. <laughs> but every once in a while you just get a you get a connection that all of a sudden there's an eternal God that loves you. I, I had a, you know, I don't know, I don't have these stories written down, but they're coming, so. My grandmother, and I, can, I think I can do this without crying. <sighs> Precious little lady. Uh, and I, I would take the children, I'd take the kids when they were young to visit her. And, and uh, my grandmother, when, and I, I'd have to ask my dad exactly what happened, but when my, when, when my dad was born, he had some kind of deficiency. Uh, and he was gonna die. And she prayed, and God healed him. And she said, and I told God, because you healed my son, I will, I will put an hour aside every night for you for the rest of my life in prayer. Most of us, God, if you heal my son, I will do this. Her, listen, Russian Orthodox are not, this woman had a walk with God, and she she said, and, "And Johnny, she said, I would be out there with your with your grandfather, and we'd be at a party, and it'd be ten thirty at night, and I'd go over and I would tug on his arm, and I'd say, Leo, Leo, it's almost eleven o'clock, and I gotta get home, and Leo would take her home so that she could get her hour prayer before God. But that's not the touching part." <clears throat> And, and you know, you gotta wonder, what are we that God would shine his grace on us? Yeah. We're there one night, and I, I didn't know this story. I didn't know anything about it. And we're sitting there, and my grandfather had ice cream every night, and we're sitting there with the girls, and he's, he's having his ice cream. And my, my grandmother gets up and leaves, and she walks, she goes into the bedroom. It's about 10 o'clock at night. And about 10 minutes later, she comes out. And you'd have to see, she had this big smile on her face. She was she was a little bit bigger than Joanna. This really little tiny lady. She comes out and she comes up to you, Johnny. And she told me the story. And every night, Johnny, I pray an hour. For all the family, I pray an hour. But tonight, Johnny, she said, I went and I got down on my knees She said, I started praying and she said, God told me, you haven't seen Johnny for a long time. You don't have to do it tonight. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he knows your name. And just, you know, she's so innocent. Like (laughs) I don't know if she knew what it did for me, really. God, do you remember what I did yesterday? <laughs> That's the kind of God we serve. You know, a God that'll come to a little six-year-old before he knows anything or thinks he knows anything, and 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 hey, you're living in the end, in the end of the time, end, end of the world. And and you know what, what you have is there's these experiences we have that let you know that God's working on our behalf behind the scenes and and and, and somehow. <coughs> We're identifying that the word we're hearing, the, 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 the touch of God, answers to the calling of the elect. Now, I love what Brother Buddy had to say, because when you take a look at, and I think this is, comes from the, the side of the ministry of the word, that you have been called from the foundation of the world, and God's going to finish the work. And we'll see that in Philippians. We're confident in this thing that he that started is going to finish it. And it is true for the elect that that's what he will do. Brother Sam, I remember brother Sam in his early years. He had that, uh, I think brother Bill mentioned the concept. I don't know if you knew brother Sam ministered this, but, um, you mentioned it the other day that to the elect, he will do whatever it takes to get you there. You're going to get there, you're the elect. Brother Buddy came back and he said, Yes, he, was, he is going to get the elect there. The problem is that we don't know who they are yet. And there's an identification that we have uh, uh, with, the, with the elect as we read these, these passages of Scripture. But I just wanted to just point out to you, Romans 1, he's addressing the called. You are the called. Uh, 1 Corinthians, to those sanctified called to be saints, to the Ephesians, to the saints and the faithful, when you when you see these epistles that Paul's writing, he's just not writing it to anybody. He's writing it to the called, to the faithful. And and you have to you have to go back to the beginning of the introduction because he's just not this is just for everybody, no. This is for this is for those that that that, that are faithful in Christ Jesus too. To the to the Philippians, he writes to the saints, to the Colossians, uh, the saints and the faithful, Thessalonians, knowing that you're part of the election. First Peter and Peter said, I'm uh, writing to the elect. And in Second in John, writing to the elect lady. And these guys, these, 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 men of, uh, these men of God had an understanding. They saw something that when God brought in a new covenant, he also determined that there was an election according to the, the uh, calling of God in the earth. And, and his purpose was to draw the elect out, bring them together. And, and there, you know, we, 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 we all get together and, and uh, there was a, a bit of, uh, I, I want to say contention. So I won't even put that word in your mind. Uh, Brother Buddy used to talk about marriage. And he would say, you know, you can marry whoever you want. This, this is not something that, you know, this is not something that God put together. And so I, I went to him once and I said, Brother Buddy, I said, do you, do you believe you're the elect? I said, yeah. I said, do you believe that Sister Dottie's the elect? Yeah. I said, do you think Brother Bill's the elect? Yeah. Do you think Sister Betty's the elect? Yeah. Do you think David's the elect? Yeah. Do you think? That? I said, how many elect are there, Brother Buddy? I, I don't read that it's a really, really big group of people. I said, what's the chance of an elect marry an elect? Just by coincidence. What's that chance? I, I think that maybe the hand of God is even in who he's putting together in marriage. Now, we don't have to make a doctrine out of this. But you can't, you know, how many of you husbands believe you're the elect? How many of you wives believe you're the elect? And you know, when you look at that, you know, the chances of you getting put together with another elect. I mean, you're better off going out and win the lottery because this isn't going to happen. Now that has a lot, you know, so then the idea that God put you together. You mentioned the other day that there's how many divorces in the Every 47 seconds. Every 47 seconds. Somebody, somebody pointed out, and, and, and you know, I, I love the way that people, when they want to get statistics to shoot down something, says, uh, you know, Christians, uh, among the people that are getting divorced, most of them are Christians. I said to that person, well, you do know that most of the people that are getting married are Christians.
2: Right.
1: So you really haven't proven anything now do you suppose if God joined you together and this is and this for you know I'm I'm talking about natural marriage but also with the family of God that he puts together if he's put us together with like-minded elect uh, elect there's a purpose why we're together there's a purpose why God put you together with your spouse there's a purpose why you know. And started looking at it, and all of a sudden you realize, you know, I, sometimes I'm not doing all that well. But this whole New Testament's written to the elect. It it, it applies to the elect, so, and and we identify with the elect. And as as we're looking at, turn over to Philippians. Um, as we're looking at this, I I, I text this to Sheryl and Cheryl's always a good one I can. Uh, bounce things off of, and uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm saying something here, Sherilyn, and I'm waiting for her to answer, because I'm seeing, and I don't know if somebody has a better way of explaining this, um, and, and this is what I wrote down. And and maybe just let me uh, back up a bit. There's there's a lot mentioned in the epistles about a need for our our diligence. Give all diligence. I think that's in Peter. Give all diligence. Make your calling election choice. And there's a bunch of ifs in the scripture. We're made partakers of Christ if we hold our confidence as an example. There's quite a few ifs and i used to be of the mindset that what the if does is it kind of puts a um how would you put it a qualification on you if you're going if it's going to happen you're going to have to do such and such with the idea that you might not do such and such but then all of a sudden i realized if the elect of god are called from the foundation of the world and god is going to do this And God is going to be the emphasis because even the the well-balanced Paul in Philippians is going to write, "You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that works in you, both to will and to do." And so that there's a working together with God in you, the same way as there is in the vine vine and the branches. There, there, you know, there's I I I have to get it out of my mind that we're talking about ifs and if you don't do if you. As being a limit, elimination. Um, there is, and this is my personal feeling, and I, I mentioned this down in Bowens Mill, and I got some people calling me on it. I said, I am firmly convinced that my 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 uh, eternal salvation is secure. I don't believe I can lose it. I believe it's a gift of God. The way that I read it, as Jesus Christ died for me, I got born again. I got eternal life when I die and, and it's it's something that I'm securing right. okay but what but that needs to be separated from the calling and election that we need to give all diligence make your calling and election sure that needs to be separated from that because there's a lot of people that are going to be saved matter of fact at the end there's nations that are going to be saved right. that never find themselves in the elect there's gonna be many that get born again that never go any further, and it's all, in the, it's all in the plan of God, and God graciously gives them that, and there's something that they can't lose. Whenever we had that discussion, being very kind, uh, between John Henson and Brother Buddy over years ago, I think what ended up happening was is they put everything together. They put born again, eternal life, and, and, and election all together, so their brother, buddy, when he's talked about jeopardy, he, he was not talking, I don't believe he was talking about our eternal born again experience that we that we had that gives us eternal life. I think what he was talking about is our calling an election. There's something we have to do to do, do that. But you can, You sometimes we put all of these, we lump these all together and we put them, we put them out there and we never, you know, we don't try to try to, the, uh, to uh, to differentiate, and yet Paul does. But if you go read in Hebrews chapter 5, where he said, let us leave leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, later in that chapter he says, uh, and we are we are confident of things that accompany salvation. See, for the elect, salvation is not the end goal. For the elect, being part of the body, being part of the body of Christ is the goal. Being that that I and this way, Paul says it in Philippians. We're going to. I've given you a bunch of Philippian scriptures already. A man that met Paul. Paul is a man that met Jesus. I, I believe all the revelation he had, he had to sit with Jesus at some point, And he got it all. And yet, in all of that, what does he say? That I might know him. There was a desire in his heart. Who put that desire in there? For it's God that works in you you got a desire tonight to know God. God put that in you.
2: Yep.
1: Now, the answer to that is, is the answer that you're going to give is going to be in conjunction with the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and what I saw, when I was, going back to what I was seeing here, is that there's a resonance in the New Testament epistles that presumes that to those whom it is written, which is the elect... Understand the diligence that is required on their part to fulfill God's plan. So we 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 all identify that that there needs to be a, a diligence that's given. Yes. Now, what also the elect do not interpret that that it is totally dependent on their diligence. See right. see so you, so you, you could. You could read some of these passages of scripture thinking, and this, the, the mindset that I have to go and do something in order to get is an old covenant mindset. I don't know how many I've, I've been ministering on the, on the two covenants. The first covenant success was based on the obedience of the people. You obey and I will bless. The New Covenant is not based on obedience. You know what it's based on? Faith. Okay? And it's the obedience of faith. Now, that doesn't mean there's not an obedience involved. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Yep. And what the faith does, as the case of Abraham, Abraham believed God who was imputed to righteousness, and then he obeyed. So the obedience becomes a natural working out of the elect. Not in order to get something, but because they got something. And the thing that they have, as Paul says, it's yours, but we haven't yet been apprehended for what we've been apprehended for. Like we're not there yet. But all your effort is not going to get you there. Because it's God that's gonna do this. This is what he says in Ezekiel. He said, I'm gonna cleanse your heart. I'm gonna give you a new heart. I'm gonna put a spirit in you. And he said, I'm not doing this for your sakes. So I'm doing this for my sake. And then, But I will do it, says the Lord. I will do it. And what do you need to have in order for him to do it? It's just trusting him. You know, this is what the new covenant does. It gives you a trust. And where do you think that trust came from? It came from God. So that we just keep, we keep responding. This You see this in the, uh, in the book of Jude. Jude. When I thought to write to you concerning the common salvation, I first, I first thought to tell you about the faith that was once delivered to the saints, the trust that was delivered to the saints. Because when, when you got the spirit of God and you got Christ in you, what you also got was the same faith that Jesus had. So I, I heard somebody minister once that... We don't move by our faith. We move by the faith of the Son of God. I said, wait a minute. There was a, there's a faith that is recognized all through the Bible and it's, it's recorded in Hebrews 11. Faith of, you know, it starts off with Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, goes all the way down the list and it's all these fathers of faith. You know, an interesting thing about all these fathers of faith, there's one thing they all had in common. None of them had a Bible. And you got to wonder how in the world they did this without the teachings of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You know, I don't know if if you recognize this, but in the wilderness, when, when Abraham was out in the desert there, Sunday, they weren't having Bible studies. And it was just simple childlike trust that Abraham had, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And that faith continued on, so that, the, that when Jesus Christ comes, Jesus Christ is moving in that same confidence and trust that all the rest of those men of faith moved in. What moved in. was it saying? And the, the faith that's been delivered to you is the same faith that Jesus had. It's the faith of the Son of God. Yes, you don't live by your own, your, by your own faith. You're living by the faith of the Son of God, but it's the same faith that they all had. So, so what does it say? To be established in your most holy faith. Which is the faith of the Son of God, and, and so what it does is it, it 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 is in a process of renewing your mind, giving you a different mindset. You know the, the mindset, and, and 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 what I find is that mindset is something, is something that is is is, is automatic. I don't have to work on mindset. I just have to live it. And, I, and, and so my, I, I said here this, that the, uh, the elect understand the diligence is needed to fulfill the plan, but they don't inter- interpret that uh, the that, that diligence is de- totally dependent on them. Dil- diligence becomes a way of life. And it, you know, this is the same in the natural. In the natural, if you're a diligent person, You don't have to wake up every morning and decide today I'm going to be diligent. You just are. You don't think about it. That's just way of life. When you got this growth that we have in Christ as the elect of God, this growth that we had is it's producing a it's producing a diligence that when we read Paul, what he's doing is he's encouraging us in a way because we because we've got. We, we've, we've got the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us and was given to them on the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit comes on you, you shall receive power. The power you receive is to fulfill everything that he's called you to do. Because it's going to be done by him. Now, so in Philippians chapter 1. He says in verse six here, and this, you know, Paul's writing to the saints in Christ Jesus, being confident of this very thing that he that began a good work in you will perform it into the day, day of Jesus Christ. We're confident in this very thing. He's, he, he's he's starting off with this letter to them. We know that God starts a work. He's going to finish it. We, we don't have we have a wise master builder that can see what needs to be done. Uh, And and along with that, in verse 27, he said, only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is something that we do together. This is something that, you know, we encourage each other. We, you know, we get one down, you encourage him, lift him up because you know this 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 election that that we're called to it it's a many membered body that we've got a responsibility one for another, and the Holy Spirit works that in such a way in which which we we continue to grow mm-hmm. we continue to grow chapter two let this bind in in uh in in verse four, uh, verse five, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Remember, he's talking to the elect here. And, and I think what he's doing is he's showing, he's showing you that as the growth process takes place in our life, that these things will be an automatic outcome. Ever ever tried to esteem somebody better than yourself that you thought was lesser than yourself? But, you know, Jesus stooped down to wash the disciples' feet. Not in order to prove something, but because it was in him. It was a mindset that he had. If you're going to be a ruler, you've got to be a servant. And... And I tell you, you know, the the folks that we flow with, there's just in the growth, there is just more and more of this uh, that is being seen and is being worked out. And that scripture I was referring to, and I just wanted to point something out here, um, kind of an aside. In verse 12, and and I, I would say that this, work out your salvation, with fear and trembling, for it's God which works in you both to will and to do it with good pleasure. Has anybody ever noticed that when most of the time when that scripture is preached on, it's generally heavy on one side or the other. You'll get a ministry stand up and say, you need to work out your salvation. And for some reason they leave out, for it's God that works in you to well and do then you get somebody to stand up right behind her and say, but you know, it's God that works in you, Both are willing to do. And it's become a big bone of contention uh, in, in a lot of Christian circles on finding the balance of, I've got to work this out or God's going to do it. And the Holy Spirit, in the, middle of this, in the middle of this epistle, realizes that down the road it's going to be an issue. So what's the next thing he says? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Really? You mean I can't I can't dispute this point? Because there's you know, there's a there's a way in which the spirit of God is able to uh, to teach us so that whatever he wants to teach us will be applicable to us. There are some people that need to hear you have to work out your salvation. And it probably they probably need to hear it in a heavy way, because they got real lax in thinking that it's just God that's working out to do it. And yet, and there are other people that probably need to hear, you know, the the, the workers, you know, the Marthas. We're going to get this done, and I'm working on myself. salvation here and trembling, and they probably need to hear. But it's God that works in you to will and to do. And so for there to be a dispute over this really doesn't help anything because really it's really what God's speaking to you. Now we're going to, I'm not going to be too much longer here. Okay. The, okay. The, let me just go back one, one, one step. Mindset of Christ. There is in Jesus's writings in the, uh, in the gospels, there is a lot of seeing the, the mindset of Jesus Christ. And probably one of the most, um, probably one of the uh, strongest ones is where Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. Luke, I'm glad that Luke got that last part because the other three only had take up your cross and follow me. But he said, take up your cross daily. Now, I was thinking about this. And when Jesus said that, of course, we, you know, 2,000 years later, we've got such a mindset of the cross. We never really equate the fact that he said this before he went to the cross. And he's talking to, he's talking to people that knew exactly what he was talking about. The cross was crucifixion of a guilty party. What are you talking about, Jesus? Okay. But furthermore than that, what is the day in the life of somebody that's going to the cross that day? Now, I mean, this is the mindset. Okay, I wake up. I've been condemned as a criminal. I'm, I'm numbered with the transgressors. It's my turn. I'm gonna carry a cross like Jesus did and I'm going to go up, and I'm going to be crucified that day. What is my mindset when I wake up? Well, here's what my mindset is, and I'm not caring about anything in the natural anymore. I'm not, ca- I'm not taking any thought for moral. All of a sudden, all of those relationships that I had that were good, they don't even... I'm going to the cross. The man that's going to the cross has completely abandoned to all of this world. He's not taking it with him. And Jesus said, this has got to be your mindset every day. You can't give, you've got to be so dead. And this is maybe what Paul was referring to when he said, I die daily. Okay, I'm not living my life anymore for myself. But even in this picture, where you're gonna be crucified that day, and Jesus said, you gotta do this every day. And if you knew, you know, anybody here ever been out of a relationship with somebody and they died and then you wish you would have maybe made it right? Well, you're gonna be on a, you're on a cross today. You're not gonna have time to make it right tomorrow because you're, you're not living your life for yourself anymore and your life's, actually this is, what a mindset. You know, it's hard for me to get my mind around that. Right. And, and in, this, in this mindset change, I, I think we all appreciate that in us, like this mind that we have, if I were to ask you to point to your mind on your body, where would you point? Most of us would point, okay? That's not what the mind, the mind's in the heart. It's called the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's an, it's an inner thing. The brain may have something to do with it, but, but it's the heart. And you only, have, you only have one mind, okay? I'm not gonna go there for sake of time, but if you, run, if you go over to Romans 8, where it talks about the carnal mind, that's talking about purpose and direction. That's not, it's not talking about the faculty of the mind. Strong's, all of you that got a Strong's uh, reference in, in there. Uh, it's the inclination or purpose. To be carnally minded, to be carnally inclined or, or purpose. The carnal mind, the, the, the carnal inclinations. In uh, James, the double-minded man, that's where vacillate. Vacillate is something that one mind does back and forth, back and forth. But you only have one mind and that's being renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay. You don't have two minds. You only have one. And that mind is is being guarded and is is being protected and is taking on the mind of Christ. So that he said we have the mind of Christ. So guess what you got to put on? You got to put on the mind of Christ. Right. So that so that what we're what we're doing is, is we're, there's a mindset that is changing from from one of of all about ourselves to one that's all about God. So Ephesians talks about uh, and it's lots of times when it's quoted, put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new. You know what it says right in the middle of there? Be changed in the spirit of your mind. So that there's a working together of uh, understanding that we're all getting that I have got to be continually walking in a way that I'm identifying that everything I'm doing, God is, is a beneficiary of it. And I'm doing this for God. And as a branch bearing fruit, that who? That God might be glorified. Wow, what a mindset. What a... You know, here, here Jesus Christ comes, He's 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 asked by His Father to, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He knows He's going to the cross. And God said, Listen, I'll be with you. So is there any other way to do this? Yeah, and yet, you know, it says in the volume of the book it is written, I come to do thy will. What a mindset. What a mindset. And that's, that's the mindset that he is working in us. He's, he is giving us. Where were you in chapter three? In verse 12. And this is where you see, uh, and all the way through, if you do a study in Philippians, what you'll find is, is Paul is constantly balancing out both things, the work of God in our life, that he the start is gonna finish it. And, let this mind therefore be in you. He's constantly balancing it out. And he does it here. He says, Not as I had already attained, either or already perfect, but I follow after that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. I, I, and this is, I, I think we all do this in our daily lives. And I think most of we are doing this without thought because it's a mindset. You get in a mindset, and that mindset directs you. I had, when I left Miami, I had a mindset of fishing saltwater fish down in Miami. When I came up to Uppsala, the mindset got changed into, into fishing walleyes in fresh water. But it had nothing to do with a change of mindset in Jesus Christ. But God is able to use some of those things. Because, you know, you can get a mindset out of your own personal life, bring it into community, and and it can be possible to just get a mindset of one lifestyle to another lifestyle. But don't worry, if you're part of the elect, God will continue to work that in you. And not only work it in you, there's a keeping power in Christ coming in, a keeping power that I don't think a lot of us even recognize. John, in the book of First John, and this is a really hard scripture to, to quote because many times it's, it's associated that what whoever quotes it in this move is referring to this move. When John said, they went out from us because they weren't uh, all of us. Because if they were of us, they would have stayed with us as a, as a proof that they were part of us. Now, the only reason I say that is because John recognized that the, the elect cannot be moved. And I'm not talking about this move of God and people join. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about people that left this move of God. I'm talking about a, a calling that's on the elect of God that, that, you know, we sing. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's coming out of your heart. That's coming out of the heart of the elect, you know? All these songs that we sing, if you sing some of them, I think most of us recognize I am not fulfilling all that I just sang, but it's coming out of somewhere and it's coming out of a heart that wants to fulfill what God, God, God has. And so there's this constant, uh, there's this constant encouragement of the Holy Spirit to, to bring us songs that we know we're not walking in yet. All to Jesus, I surrender. All except voindus could do. <laughs> And yet there's something in us that, yes, yeah, I've surrendered all. Yeah, yeah. And and I say, okay, God, that's a calling on our life. That's a calling on the elect. And he says something interesting here next. He said, I'm following after that I might might apprehend. I count on myself apprehended. And he says, but this one thing I do. If, if you were going to write this, if you, if you were writing this epistle, you're going to write this one thing I do. We're talking about fulfilling the plan of God that God has from you from the foundation of the world. And you're thinking, there's one thing I need to do. What would be the one thing that you don't you know? Don't go read. Don't, I don't want you to quote this. What would be the one thing? This one thing I do. What would be the one thing you would do? If you were challenged with it. I mean, you yeah, don't have to. Because when I read this, I, I would never have picked what he picked. Right. And this doesn't sound like a one thing. This sounds like a two things. Okay. This this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Bill kind of ministered this last, last week that you can stop the growth of, of god uh, uh, in your life you can you can actually hinder it by your by your actions of not reaching forward mm-hmm. now what he says is he says here i i forgetting those things are behind now this this could take on a myriad of different uh, uh trains of thought you know we've had we have had uh uh, troubled relationships with some because of actions that took place on one party or the other. And if you keep holding on to those things that are behind you, okay, you're, you're not going anywhere. And when he says this, I picture, you remember, remember Linus? He had a blanket. Carried a blanket with him. Yeah, and as long as he had that blanket, he couldn't hold anything in the hand. And I, I remember a word, Brother Garnet preached here a while back on reaching for reaching, reaching. And what this is is that there are things that uh, in our past we have to let go. Got to leave them behind. When it says when it says leave them behind, okay. Uh, there are things which are behind, which behind. Behind is something that you can still see. You're driving down the road, you got a mirror, there's a car behind you. You look there, you can still see the car. Okay? I've sometimes quoted this, uh, you know, letting go of the things that are past. Well, if they're still in our vision, you know, you can carry things for 20 years, that are still in your vision, that are holding you back, that if you don't let them go, then you're never going to reach and get something else. Brother John, John Kieselbrink was telling me, uh, he, he likes to travel and he visits his he visits family. And he went to this, this family and they, for, they were an older family and for, for 20 years they had not spoken, they lived in the same house, a married couple, they lived in the same house for 20 years and never spoke a word to each other. She had his side of the house, he had his side of the house. And he went in there and he says, you know, something's got to break here. And he talked to each of them individually and something serious happened early in their marriage relationship. And when he asked them, neither one of them could remember what it was. (laughs) But they were still holding on. They were still holding on to their hurt. They were still holding on to their bitterness. You keep holding on to that. See, this is a... This is the one thing that you got to do is you got to let go of some of these things. And when you do, you're going to reach and grab something else. And sometimes it's a stretch. Steve's always been like that. That's what, you know, I remember Steve, what you did to me years ago and I'm holding on to it, and I'm holding on to it. Well, John, why don't you pray for Steve? Why don't you reach out? Oh God, that's a stretch. Right? But if you don't let go, because God is able to heal relationships. God is able to heal hearts. God is able to take bitterness away. God's gonna, but if you keep holding on to it. That's why the word that's coming in these days. Is one that God wants to continue growing us up. And this one thing is. And, and, and you know. And Paul recognizing this. And if you read that whole context of the, of the chapter. He says you know I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I had all of these things that were uh, credentials to my name. And he recognized something there was some good and there was some bad and you know what we have a tendency we want to do we want to hold on to the good Uh, because this walk with christ of losing what what you're out to do is lose your identity and god's got his ways i'll tell you he's got his ways of taking somebody who thinks that there's something running a company and everything's going great and all, all everybody's praising and uh, uh, and all of a sudden, he pulls it all out from underneath you because he's a God that wants to take you further and he wants you to let go of those things. And when you do, he's got something out there for you that it's, it's called the prize, what is, it? how does he put it? Prize of the high calling. Because he's talking to the elect. There's a call. There's a calling on our lives that is continuing, to, you know, it's it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to connect, and, and you know, everywhere we go, and I, you know, those of us that travel around, what we recognize is that same spirit is in where two or three are gathered together, or where there's a hundred and fifty gathered together, and in some some cases, I I remember being in. Living room with three or four people, and a mighty anointing falls on the on the meeting, and all of a sudden, well, where did this come from? Too bad it's not a scripture. It says, "Where two or three are gathered together, I'll be in the midst of because that would have been a really good one to put in there. And yet, this is this is the call of the elect. So he says, "I pressed toward to the mark." of the high calling. Remember, he said that, uh, not that we'd already attained we already perfect. And then in verse 15, he said, let us therefore as many as be perfect. What are you talking about, Paul here? Paul said, you know, I'm talking about a call that's on your life, that God is able to see what, what he's doing in your life. You know, you know what perfect in the New Testament is? It is, is a clean conscience. You want to walk perfectly? Walk in a clean conscience. It's found over in Hebrews. The blood of bulls of goats could not make the covers there, thereunto perfect pertaining to the conscience. But the blood of Jesus Christ did was He was able to cleanse you. I love I the line that you had the other day. If you're still holding on to this idea that you're a sinner and, and that there are still sins that God's holding to your account... God cleansed all of that when he brought you into Christ. Gary Snow Minister word. what it means to have the mind of Christ is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed your mind and your conscience of all sin. And when he did that, he gave you a new mind. He gave you a purified mind. He gave you the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is not bothered by sins of the past. Yeah, I think that's what you said. Because this is, this is part of as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, whereinto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. And I'm going to close over in chapter 4 in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Amen. Think. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. And I say, okay, God. Sometimes my thoughts aren't there. Sometimes my thoughts aren't there. But what He said right from the beginning, like, like, I, I think if I were to. Say what the theme of Philippians is, is the mindset of Christ.
2: The
1: mindset of Christ. Whatsoever things, whatsoever things, whatsoever things. And, and this is where, if you want to get yourself, we had a devotion the other morning by Ethan uh, Millire. And, and I just love the devotions over there. Because he, he, he brought out this, this point that whatever we do, you do it with a joyful heart without murmurings and disputings. You know, if you follow this of whatsoever things or all of these things, if that is your mindset, you are gonna live a victorious life. You wanna get back into a a, a humdrum, start thinking about all the bad stuff. And you know something, and I think Bill pointed out, you, any situation you find yourself that looks negative you've got a God that can turn it around to the positive.
2: Right.
1: And because he can do that, you've got to see that what you're going through is ordained of God to take you, is to take you into, uh, into a realm where all of a sudden you're just realizing God is in complete control. Because lots of times we can amend the scriptures and we can voice the scriptures, and we can, but then when the test comes,
2: right?
1: Okay, how many know that all things work together for good? So, name a situation that you're, you're in that the devil's having his way. The only one is, is the one you're giving him. There was one, there was one point I, and I'll close with this point. That when Paul in Romans 8 says, I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God, no. okay? he mentions. He mentions, I know that angels, principalities, you know. And Paul's giving experiences that he went through to say, listen, I came up against the principalities. They couldn't send me from a little God. I came up against trouble. They couldn't send me from a little guy. I came up against some, some beasts. They couldn't send me from a little God. And I find out there is nothing that's external for me that has got the capability of separating me from a little God or any other creature. You know who he leaves out? <coughs> himself and that is not a magnet you can put on your refrigerator and claim it for yourself because the situation God's taking you through is to show you that nothing could separate you from the love of God right. but have you ever seen anybody that separated from the love of God I've seen lots but it wasn't the situation that separated them as much as they think it was it was their own heart of unbelief that was walking away thinking, this is unfair. This should never have happened. <clears throat> as if what Jesus Christ did when he hung on a cross was somehow fair. That's what he's, he's called us to as the elect. Take on the mind of Christ who did everything for the glory of God the Father. And, uh, and in the end, now he's brought that same spirit to us so that we can have the same mind
3: Amen. Amen. When, when we were born again we received the mind of Christ. I was sitting there thinking, you know, uh, the test and the offering that we do continually gives us a pretty good idea of where we are. Because every vestige of what you are, what I am, that doesn't please God, uh, he's going to touch on it and make it so real as we lay our life down. But because you have the mind of Christ doesn't mean that you have the thoughts of God. The test is staying under. Uh, that's where, you know, where it says, uh, um, in patience. And upamino in staying under you possess your souls because we have a a soul that needs uh, constancy and that's where the love of god comes in and that's where the assurance is but i don't always have the thoughts of god but i am i do have the mind of christ and the, and the vacillation and the Double-mindedness and adhesion to things uh, can be a, a solid problem. But when Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and he was thinking there of the way Jesus lived, and that's the way you should be thinking, as born Christ. And let me give you this in closing. Thank you, John. Uh, because the mind can be really a scramble, just a a, a bad batch of, uh, uh, of confusion if it isn't directed by the Spirit of God. To figure this out is absolutely the most difficult and futile thing that you can do. And this is where I I like this thing from Peter, and you can, I read it the other day. Um, Talking about time has come to judgment, has to begin at the house of God. And then he says, if the righteous scarcely be saved or, or come to this thing of really understanding without the fire, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? And then he says this, it's a, it's a warning. And I believe it's a warning for us in regard to our growth to God. Because everything is growth. Everything has to do with your growing and mine. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God and certainly as we go forward, we're, we're laying our life down. And uh, one of the most significant things we heard tonight was <laughs> you have to find the identity that God gives you, not the one that you were born with or what you think you have to do. Mm-hmm. This is essential. This is it's worth taking with you, this identity that you are Christ. Wherefore, let them suffer according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls. Now, you know, your your emotions, your thoughts, your will, uh, you don't have to look far. the little children who arch their back, or I've even seen them swing at their mothers and fathers. So your soul and my soul needs to be kept. It can't be wandering and cognating over things that are beyond you. And so the the humility there is, dear God, dear God, please. If I'm suffering according to your will, I want the keeping of my souls to come to you. Keep my soul. Why? Because I can't. What we're asked to do is humanly impossible and only by the spirit can we grow. So it says, let the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as to a faithful creator. Your God will be faithful if if you'll commit your soul to him. God help us. Lord, we thank you uh, for your care and give us the mindset of a soul that is continually under God, that continually trusts that you know and have our welfare, that the constancy of the test is for our good. And we ask you even tonight to be with our, those who are uh, on the edge of death. We thank you for keeping Louise. Lord, we ask you to be with Aaron and Brooke as they uh, travel several, several hundreds of miles uh, as they go south. And Lord, keep us, keep us on the path that is governed by god who can keep our soul in jesus name amen